the 10th anniversary of the Polaris Prize, Canada's most interesting music award. Rather than focus on sales or popularity, like the higher-profile Junos, the Polaris was created to celebrate Canada's top album based on artistic merit, as judged by a cabal of music writers who whittle the year's best work down. On Friday, the shortlist came out, and it included mainstays like rapper Drake and electronic artist Caribou. But as it so often does, there were surprises, like singer-songwriter Jennifer Castle. Michael Barclay is a Polaris Prize juror, and he's seen the battles that happened behind closed doors as music nerds geek out over their favorite album. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's start by talking about the importance of the award. Why is the Polaris Prize something we're talking about uh, right now? Uh, we're talking about it because it is different than the Junos. The Junos is kind of um, the nominations in the large categories of the Junos anyway, the Junos that get televised, et cetera, are based on sales. So it's always the best-selling records of the year. So that's why Nickelback will always be there. That's why uh, all the, the top, you know, the the Michael Bublé's, um, yeah, all the people who, who sell hundreds of thousands of records get nominated for Junos. And those people are not excluded from the Polaris process. And there have been extremely popular people nominated for Polaris before. But it's voted on uh, by critics who, like me, spend all day listening to new records all the time. So uh, Polaris is considered a, an even playing field for the artist who does not have a huge promotional budget, the artist who is not on the radio, uh, an artist who can be vaulted out of nowhere, like has happened in the past with uh, Zaki Ibrahim, a Canadian expat living in South Africa, whose record wasn't even released in Canada but had a few uh, critics who were fans in Canada and, uh, and vaulted it right onto the shortlist by generating discussion among other critics. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it also elevates um, kind of outlier experimental artists like Colin Stetson, who's been on the shortlist twice, uh, experimental solo saxophone music, not the most commercial of genres. Um, and it puts that right beside uh, bands um, uh, like Whitehorse or like Owen Pallet or People who've done very well play uh, large festival slots across Canada and the world. Uh, there is this mosaic quality to it. I, I feel like uh, one of the jurors, who is my friend, actually friend of the show, Josh O'Kane, he uh, only got one of his five shortlisted entries in there. And it's one of those things where really your entire, like, I mean, any, any juror's entire list really is rarely going to be represented. Uh, and I think that's a remarkable thing. Uh, and I think part of that is the idea of this based on artistic merit thing. What does that really mean? I feel like this is kind of an argument in every year about what artistic merit really means. Well, it's bogus for mm -hmm. starts. It's uh, it's your own personal bias. The imposition is that, it, is that it's not based on sales as the Junos are. Right. It's not based on profile. People who uh, take issue with the Polaris Prize will say, well, well critics only listen to uh, records that get a lot of promotion, the records made by artists who have enough money to pay a publicist to bug them about all that stuff. I mean, I ignore publicist emails all the time. It actually, you know, I listen to music that I find interesting that uh, I hear about through other channels. Um, a lot of music journalists, uh, sure, maybe they're lazy and they don't click on everything in their inbox, but it's certain stuff does get attention and gets word of mouth. Um, and that stuff enters the player's discussion. So artistic merit, other people, I mean, I personally have a policy that I get five votes, five uh, five spots on my ballot. I don't want anything on my ballot to sound the same. So if there are five singer-songwriters that I put out amazing records this year, I'm not going to put five singer-songwriters on my ballot. I want to know what hip-hop record interests me the most, what electronic record, what, you know, I'm I'm thinking about, uh, I don't care about uh, geography or, or, or gender or other things, but in terms of, I want my ballot to to be representative of what I think is, is the, the diversity of Canadian music. 
How do you think the artists themselves perceive the award or the like, Canadian music community at large? I think all artists um, are suspicious of awards until they're nominated. Uh, because it is, again, it's kind of ridiculous. It's, it's a thing that whenever an artist thanks me for a good review, like, thank you for your support, I, I say, well, you're welcome. I, I thank you for making a good record. Um, but by the same token, if you believe me when you agree with me, then you will you then have to believe me when I diss your record. Like, I'm just a guy with an opinion and I listen to a lot of things. So, you know, by all means, accept praise, but... Uh, that also means that you're you're likely to be heard if you don't make the shortlist one year. Yeah, you know. I feel like that principle applies to any award show. It's like the award mm. matters when you win. When yeah. you don't, it's all political. Of course, it doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't <laughs> exactly. mean anything. But I do, from what I talking to artists who have been nominated in the past, they do uh, they do value it because they do know that it's uh, comes from a very genuine place on the part of the jurors. Whereas th there's been stories about the Junos where if you work for a major record label, they hand you your ballot and certain things are already ticked off for you because it's block voting and you know, we want our artists to win. So you can vote for any, any category where our, our artists are not nominated, but you know. Yeah, I've always been curious about that process. Like I know that with major awards ceremonies like um, the Grammys or maybe the Junos also, artists can campaign. Mm -hmm. What does that mean exactly, do you know? Like just, they just want to be win. known. Like they just want to, like for the Oscars, people want pe they want their film to be seen so they can see what an amazing performance so and so gave. Um, and uh, I mean that certainly happens at Polaris too. Uh, usually way too late. I mean the deadline is is the end of May, and you know second week of May, I start getting emails from publicists. Say, hey, here's all the records we put out this year. It's like, oh really? Actually, I take my job seriously as a juror. And I've been keeping track all year. You don't need to like. Think that something's, something's going to vault case out of nowhere. you're only thinking about this now. Yeah, exactly. In case you're an Oscar voter who only <laughs> thinks of films at Christmas time. Um, uh, but the other thing about Polaris is that there's this wild card element in that it's not at all democratic. The list is. However, the actual award, the winner in September, is decided by 11 people locked in a room mm -hmm. during the gala. Um, and they are there to hash it out and, and have the geekiest music argument you've ever seen in your life. And these are, and because they've been tasked with this, you can guarantee that those 11 people have listened to these records constantly for the month prior and they have extremely informed opinions. Whereas, you know, nobody knows how, how much work any individual juror is putting into their ballot. They might do it in the middle of May. They might be like me geekily every month. Here's the records. I love this this month. I'm going to try and remember this later. And you know. So what would that conversation look like in yeah. that room? Could you give us an example, even using mm -hmm. artists who have been up for it? Yeah. And you've been the in past? there, right? I've been in there. I was in there the year that Feist won. Um, and uh, so what happens is um, you have uh, 11 people talking about 10 records. Each person has been chosen for a variety of reasons, uh, geography and, and, and uh, gender. And every person in that room has had one of those records on their ballot. So technically, every one of those records has a champion in the room. Uh, and then there's like a, a, a floater, someone who voted for several of them or someone who did, voted for none of them. And that year, I was considered the floater because I had a couple of them I liked. And I actually liked uh, pretty much everything on the shortlist that year. Um, and then you get in there and you immediately vote. You write down three records out of the 10. And then they tally those up and they drop the bottom five. So then you're really only arguing about five. Uh, and then you argue for a little bit and then they do another vote and it, they, then they knock two more off and then you do one final vote, then you leave the room. You don't know. The jurors find out at the same time as everyone else in the room who won. 
So you know, you leave the room and everyone's like, oh, what happened? And you're like, I, no idea. First of all, I'm bound to secrecy. <laughs> Second of all, uh, I was ever... I was wrong the year I, I was in there. I predicted it wrong. I thought Drake would win it and Feist won it. In order to determine what you think the best album is, though, would you ever sort of count up all of the good songs on an album? Like some albums, you would think that all of the songs are excellent. On some, there are... Sure. Well, I mean, every juror has different uh, things. Like there's... Um, I mean, some some classic albums have crappy songs on them, you know, like London Calling has crappy songs on it, Born to Run has crappy songs on it, Nation of Millions has crappy songs on it. It's, uh, why are you voting for this record? Do you think it is, it is every minute of music is amazing on this record? If so, that's a great sign. Or is it that this sounds so refreshing and new? Or do you feel like this is... Uh, uh, what the artist tried to achieve? Do you think it's representative of something? There's all sorts of subjective things that go into this. And I mean, even in that room with 10 other people, I I heard some crazy arguments that were so incredibly subjective. Like, this sounds like music that you hear at a fashion show. I'm like, yes, and <laughs> so what? Like, you know, and I probably said some ridiculous things as well. I yeah. said that Drake was a Republican record. I, you know, like <laughs> the hyperbole gets notched up when you get, you know, you, we've all had barroom conversations where people fight about these things. So, um, uh, all those factors go into it and it is incredibly subjective. So it's an interesting, what makes a player quite different is it all depends on who those people are. And every year that changes and they've never repeated a juror. I don't know when they will have to. It's been 10 years now and the number of music critics in Canada keeps shrinking. Um, so right now no one's done it more than once. So every year it depends on who's in that room. So Drake is an interesting touchdown because he has never, so he's never won the players. He's been shortlisted twice. Uh, twice. Uh, but he's sort of this great reflection of it because uh, there's always it's always great because you know every time I look at the player shortlist there's always one or two people I just have never heard of before mm-hmm. and I'll you know it raises their profile and mm-hmm. all that's good but there's always that backlash of oh you know this artist is too famous to win the player's mm-hmm. prize and I think that's odd you know it happened also to Arcade Fire even they won uh, they, it's true but there was that there was that backlash of the of like oh are they too big to to mm-hmm. win is that something that people meaningfully think about? Like the idea of you should be a lesser known quality to win the player's prize? All sorts of people have those biases, but mm-hmm. um, I can say, I, so the year I was there, both Feist and Drake were on the shortlist. And that is not what we talked about. And if anybody got into that kind of thing, uh, Steve Jordan, the founder, is there, as well as James Keast, who's, who helps run the jury, um, then they'll step in and go, hey, that we are not talking about that. Now, in the back of the mind of every juror, that might be there, and that might be their own bias. Like, Drake doesn't need the money. Mm-hmm. The doesn't need the money argument comes up every year, no matter who is nominated. Um, that's not the point. That's not, you're not, this is not a charity. This is not a grant application. This is a prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm really curious if those kind of conversations happen in Giller Prize converse, uh, juror conversations. You know, like, the, those are, the Giller is more of an analog to, to Polaris than, you know, the Junos or, or, um, Oscars or something like that. Um, but are they too famous to win? Yeah, I don't know. Um, and with something like Drake, again, uh, the year I was there, we were talking about Take Care. And um, you and I can fight about Drake a different time. <laughs> but one of my complaints about that record is it's 78 minutes long and it's so difficult to listen to the entire thing. So, uh, you know, that can work against you. Back to your question. Like, does every minute have to be great? And there, you know, there are people who would argue, well, what is great about Take Care is not those five or six extraneous tracks. It's those other things that push everything forward and blah, 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 blah. So those are the kind, kind of conversations you have. In the history of players, I would argue only two famous people have won it, and that's Arcade Fire and Feist. Mm-hmm. 
I think uh, Take Care is a triumph in track sequencing, but uh, we'll have that argument <laughs> a different time. Uh, so what, st- what stands out to you about the shortlist this year? What's uh, what, are, what are your surprises? What are your takeaways? Um, there's a lot of surprises. I always expected Always to be on it. Um, the Transplanted Maritimers in Toronto uh, rock band. Um, critical favorite, popular favorite. Uh, that was always going to be on it. Bad, bad, not good. Um, I was not surprised because I heard a lot of jurors talking on the private um, message group. Um, I'm a little bit surprised because I I think it's okay. I really liked their third album. um, And this was recorded before they made three. Uh, It also features Ghostface Killer from the Wu-Tang Clan. So there's inevitably, especially after this week in Toronto, uh, going to be conversations about an American's role in a Canadian prize. Um, some of which also came up in the past when Colin Stetson, a born American who moved to Montreal, um, was not much of a surprise. Simple minds get blown, shattered into pieces. My thesis is thick like the book of Eli. We live, we die, we put them in the sky. Free your mind as a slave like the fourth of July. Buffy St. Marie, I'm extremely excited about. I love this record. Um, I think she is the oldest person to make the shortlist. 74 years old. Yeah, there's been older people on the long list, uh, Leonard Cohen and Neil Young at the time they were nominated, but uh, oldest person ever to make the shortlist. And it's a fantastic record. And for so many reasons, I'm excited about that. Previous winner. I think he's the only previous winner on this year's shortlist. Uh, he won in 2007. Um, and uh, I loved his 2010 record, Swim. I'm not as excited about this record. I don't know. Uh, I think think there's some mixed feeling there. I agree. I like the last one more, too. This is the first Dan Snaith record I have not really enjoyed. I liked his side project, Daphne, too. Um, yeah, but Swim is, is so fabulous. Uh, uh, Drake, we just talked about. I don't think it'll win because... It is not just because I don't like him. It's because um, it is a mixtape and there's a lot of anticipation for views from the six. I just think there's this notion that this is not a quote unquote real record from Drake. And and even from Drake fans, I've heard very mixed things. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, like, is it worthy? Would you give this Drake record a prize? This is the first Drake album I think that uh, I would say, well, I mean, the question is whether or not it's an album. Some people disagree. I think that it, it should qualify that should way. Qualify. Certainly, yeah, it's, yeah. certainly it's, I mean, Bill, just on yeah. Billboard charting alone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this is actually the first Drake album I think that would, I would not say should win. Uh, I, I'm glad to see it shortlisted. I think that's as far as it should go, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. I think there are artistic qualities to it, but it is a bit of a throwaway uh, thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I just don't think it's as good as, say, the Buffy mm-hmm. St. Marie album, which I think should win, mm-hmm. if not that, then the Always record. But Yeah. And then just quickly, the others, Jennifer Castle, uh, Toronto singer-songwriter, I'm very excited about. A real grower. I did not like this record at all. Mm-hmm. hated this record at first, to be honest with you. Uh, then I spun it a bit more, thought it was okay. Then I saw her live and then listened to it a bit more. And now I love it. Love it. And there's an example of, of just opinions shifting and evolving mm-hmm. over time. My views have evolved on Jennifer Castle.
Tobias Jessel Jr., brand new singer-songwriter from Vancouver. Spent some time around LA, kind of hanging around kind of the Heim periphery. Um, and uh, it's subpar Billy Joel to me. I don't understand what it's doing on the list. I have no idea. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I'm going to be starting an indie band. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I know you don't like that term. An indie rock band mm-hmm. called subpar Billy Joel. Okay. <laughs> well, you'll you will be- go very far. <laughs> Is it going to be a Billy Joel cover band? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks, uh, Michael, for joining us. Let's all keep an eye out, I guess, for the prize itself. The gala takes place at the end of September, September 21st, I believe. Cool. All right. We'll probably talk to you then. All right. Thanks.